0: Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for coming out today. Thank you to Rachel and Omri for having us today at Velvet Box, at Solin. Okay, Bezrat Hashem, this class is Lielud Nishmat Gold Apparel Bat Yaakov HaKohen. May her neshama have an aliyah. Bezrat Hashem, this class is for the Refor Shlema of Sarah Bat Yocheved. Okay, I hope everyone is enjoying their month of Adar and everyone had a chance to listen to their favorite podcasters, the two that I will be taking some insight from today. Um, our uh, Gedalia Fenster, of course, and Ellie Pereiro. Okay, Misha, Nechnas, Adar, Marvin, Basimcha. So the energy of the month, obviously, is to go full throttle in Simcha. Why? Because we have to kill the Amalek. We have to kill the doubt, the doubt within ourselves, the doubt within our relationship with our friend, the doubt within our relationship with our Creator. Right. And obviously, how do we do that? Through joy. We take the dimion, the imagination that's usually going to the worst case scenario, uh, and kind of flip it on its head to try to come up, to use the imagination to our benefit for best case scenarios, right? And of course, the best way to get to joy, we have said this many, many times before, is of course, through, with gratitude. Okay, so Bezrat Hashem May this month be when we be, each one of us be super super successful in killing the amalek within all of us, the doubt within all of us, with tremendous tremendous joy. And the energy of the month is within our side that we'll have a lot of netzach bezrat hashem. Okay, so we're gonna pick up where we left off from last class, and um, we have been learning. What have we been learning? The thirteen principles of amuna, the timeless foundations of Jewish faith by Rabbi Laser Brody. Of course, we are talking about the 13 principles of Emunah that uh, were compiled by the Rambam. So far, we have learned seven, the first seven of the 13 principles. Today, we will be learning three more principles, which are principle eight, nine, and 10. And Bezrat Hashem, for the month of Nisan, we will be learning uh, the last three principles, which are principles 11, 12, and 13. Okay. So, what are the principles we have learned so far? Quick, uh quick summary. Principle number one: there is no one but Him. Einod Melvado. Principle number two: there is only one Hashem. Divine unity. Shema Yisrael. We spoke about that. Principle number three: Hashem is incorporeal. Right? Hashem has no body. Principle number four, Hashem is first and last. He is beyond time and space. Principle five, we pray to him only, right? There are no intimate, zero intermediaries. Principle number six, the words of the prophets are true. And principle number seven, Moshe was the foremost of all the prophets ever. Okay, we're going to start with principle number eight. Um, Again, I'm going to be uh, listing the principles in English. Of course, you can look up the Hebrew Uh, translation or the original text I'd like to say um, that was in Hebrew you can look it up online Um, I thank God I say them every single day they are found in the Arts World Sitter um, after Shacharit um, yeah after after Shacharit in the Arts World Sitter so you could take a look there okay principle eight I believe with complete belief that the entire Torah we have in our possession today is the one given to Moses. May he rest in peace. Okay, so this principle is obviously a continuation of principle number seven, um, which is Moshe was the foremost of all the prophets of all time. Obviously, we know that Moshe had a direct connection with Hashem. And of course, all the Navim had a direct connection with Hashem, but Moshe's was different. Why? Number one, he was able to call upon Hashem. Or have you know have that have that conversation so to say, um, whenever he needed to have that conversation, and of course Hashem was able to just like you know have to to, to speak to Moshe whenever Hashem needed to speak to Moshe, and um, the main difference was that when Moshe was uh, having was able was was receiving this nivua from Hashem, he was fully fully conscious, right? Versus the prophets, the other prophets. Um, They would, they had their way of receiving um, Nibu would be, you know, through a dream of I like in a parable um, when they were semi-conscious or sleeping. Okay. Now, um, it's important to know uh, this small detail because of course, the. Hashem gave over the Torah to Moshe at Har Sinai, and this is the exact same Torah that we have been passing down generation to generation for the past uh, 112 generations, right via Masora. We spoke about this last class. So now, um, in principle number eight, we're going to go a little bit deeper of how this practically happened, like the passing down. Um, and this might be a review for some people, but it's important to. Uh, review it for sure. Okay. So the chamishah chumshe Torah. So we're talking about Bereshit, Shmo Va'ikra, Bamidbar and Zvarim. So these are the five books of Moses, right? These were dictated by Hashem to Moshe word for word and Moshe wrote down every single word. He didn't subtract, he didn't add anything. He wrote down every single word. Hashem showed Moshe the Navim and Ketuvim as well, but they were written down by the by the Nevim after Moshe, right? And the entire Tanakh Ends with Megillat Esther, so we're, we're talking about um, Torah Shevech Tav. we're talking about, you know, the acronym Tanakh, and we're talking about the Hamishach Humshei Torah, the Nevi, and of course the Ketuvim. At the same time that Moshe was writing down the Hamishach Humshei Torah, the five books, right, Hashem was explaining to Moshe orally, right, how to keep and perform each of the 613 mitzvot, okay, so, this is what we call Torah Shabbat Al Pe. So the Torah Shabbat and the Torah Shabbat Al Pe were given at Har Sinai at the exact same time. Now the oral law that was passed down from father to son for generations until Rabbi Akiva's time, right? It was so the oral law, the Torah Shabbat Al it was passed down. You know, father son, father son, father son, until Rabbi Akiva's time. During Rabbi Akiva's time, we all know the story. Obviously. Um the Romans, the Roman occupation, they were persecuting Jews. Forget about they persecuting, they were killing off Jews, you know. Um, and Rabbi Akiva made a he had to make the executive decision that the Torah shabaal Pet needed to start getting written down because it was obviously in danger of being uh erased from planet Earth, God forbid. So at that point he compiled um the first six sections. I don't know the um, exact orders off by ha- off by heart. But he compiled those. Unfortunately, he was killed, murdered, you know, torn, tortured by the Romans. And then his student Rabbi Meir, took what um, Rabbi Akiva uh, wrote down, and he polished it up. And then, of course, his student Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, took what Rabbi Mayer. Um, created, and he basically created, the, the he put together or finalized the Mishnah that we have today. Okay, and of course the Gemara, the Gemara comes to clarify the Mishnah in further detail and determine halacha. So anything not Torah Shebechtav, so we're talking anything not in the Tanakh, is considered Torah Shebaal Peh. This includes the authoritative uh, literature, on halacha, right? We're talking shochan arach. This is also considered Torah Sheba'al Peh. Okay, it's also worth mentioning the lineage from teacher to student, teacher to student. So um, the one that Ra- the Rambam lists, uh, he lists this lineage, like this uh, teacher to student lineage in his introduction to the Mishnah. And of course, we see it in much, much greater detail in the Mishnah, right? In Pirke Avot. Mishnah 1, for many, many Mishnahs after that, it goes through um, the entire um, lineage of um, teacher to student. Okay, so let's review this. Worth mentioning. What was the order from Hashem giving the Torah to Moshe to us today? Okay, Hashem uh, gave the Torah over to Moshe. Who then taught it to Yehoshua? Who then taught it to the elders? Who then taught it to the prophets? Who then taught it to Eli the Shofet, the judge? Who then taught it to Shmuel Hanavi? Who then taught it to David Hamelech? Who then taught it to Achia Hashilonit? Who then taught it to Eliyahu Hanavi? Who then taught it to Elisha? Then Elisha taught it to the last prophets of that time, who were Ezra, Nehemiah, and Daniel, who were also, <coughs> excuse me, the first members of Anshe Knesset HaGadola. Does anyone remember who the Anshe Knesset HaGadola were? What did they found? Like, what, what, what did they create? Of course, in our Hippodaduk class, we learned that the Anshe Knesset HaGadola were the ones who created the prescribed prayers, our sitters, right? The Shemana Esri that we have today is from them. Okay. So these three prophets, <coughs> excuse me, then taught it to the last member of the Ka'anshe Knesset HaGadola of that time, who was Shimon Hatzadik, um, who then passed it down to Antigonos of Soho, who then passed it down to the Tanaim, the sages of the Mishnah, who then passed it down to the Amoraim, the sages of the Gemara, who then passed it down to the Savuraim who um, explained the Talmud, who then passed it down to the, uh, the Gaonim, and the Gaonim were the ones who enhanced Talmudic scholarship and spread its teachings, who then passed it down to the Rishonim, think Rambam, Rif, Rashi, Tosfot, etc. who then passed it down to the Akronaim, think Rav Yosef Karo, think the Ramah, who, who passed it down to the rabbis of our community today, right? Um, the rabbis of your community today take the you know Torah, Moshe Sinai, and apply it to modern-day situations and technology today, right? These are typically the questions today. But it's important to note, for 112 generations, this Masorah has been passed down from teacher to student, teacher to student. Now, any naysayers out there could be like, oh, what's wonderful, thank you for this family tree. Um, in history lesson of that the Torah, you know, in fact, did come from Hashem. It was, it was, Hashem created it. It was not man-made, but how is it relevant? You know, back then they didn't have electricity. They didn't have uh TikTok. They didn't have um, anything that we have today. Like how, how are we, how are we supposed to keep this? God forbid, I don't want to use these words, but they, they call it archaic um, teachings Um, you know, in modern-day society. Okay, first of all, Hashem created the Torah, not man. Irrefutable, right? Um, Hashem is beyond time and space, and of course, so is the Torah that He created. The halachic nuances we have today are practical applications for the Torah we received at Harsinai, which can never go out of style. It is our job to keep Hashem's eternal Torah. Just because our limited minds don't understand the reason behind each mitzvah doesn't preclude us from keeping it to the best of our abilities. And that's really, really important to know. Okay, principle nine. I believe with complete belief that this is the Torah. It shall not be replaced, nor will the creator, blessed be his name. Give us a different Torah. So, our sages teach us that Hashem created the Torah 974 generations before he created the world. Did anyone know that? Yeah, it's true. So Hashem took this Torah that he created 974 generations before he created the world and he used it as a blueprint to create the world and to sustain it. And he continues to use to, to, to sustain use it to sustain the world. So there's a reason why we call the Torah the tree of life. And the Torah is never going to change in Shmo' Vaikra and Bamidbar, it's written ten times this statement that the Torah is quote eternal law for all your generations. It's never going to go out of style, and it's never going to be irrelevant. It's always irrelevant. It's the wisdom of the Torah is always relevant. In fact, there's a fun fact that maybe some of you guys know, some of you don't know, but the uh, vaccines and immunizations came directly from the Torah. How you may ask? So there was an individual. Um actually, uh, a giant torah Torah individual by the name of Rabbi Dr Israel Michael Rabinowitz, who lived in the eighteenth century. He came from a you know a huge family of rabbis. and he was also a doctor. He got his um medical degree later on in life. um but his passion um and his goal in life was to uh, take the Talmud and translate it into French. So he moved to Paris. And he befriended someone by the name of Louis Pasteur, right? The father of microbiology. And they were friends. And you know, um Rabbi Dr. Rabinowitz used to, you know, show his translations that he used to the the the, the sugias that he translated um into French, into French to Mr. Pasteur, and specifically the subyas that pertain that pertained to uh medicine and science. So there was a sugya that caught Louis Pasteur's attention. Of course, what was it? It was from Masachat Yoma 83b. There was a discussion amongst the sages um, of What were the, about the five symptoms of a rabid dog and what one must do if, God forbid, they were bitten by this rabid dog. And the solution was that the individual had to eat a lobe of the liver of the rabid dog, ah! So a light bulb, of course, went off in the, uh, in Louis Pasteur's mind, and the idea of introducing a weaker virus to a human body, which will enable it to develop antibodies or immunity for a more virulent version, if it ever comes um, back at some point. So this gave the this gave birth to the idea of uh immunizing and uh creating uh vaccines so what did he do and he also he didn't only apply it to human beings he also applied it uh uh, to chickens actually right he developed the cholera vaccine he developed the anthrax vaccine and he also developed um, of course the rabies vaccine now um, obviously we see that um the wisdom the infinite wisdom of the torah uh gave way for a individual Uh, Louis Pasteur to uh, develop something in this world that was meant to preserve human life. I just want to make a little asterisk, a little caveat. I understand that in 2023, not everyone, you know, vaccine's almost like a bad word, but it's not the Taurus fault that there are evil people in the world that want to take advantage of, you know, brilliance of a vaccine and, you know, use it for evil purposes, okay? So, it's not the Taurus' fault and the purpose of vaccines, the main intent, what it was meant to be created for was to preserve human life. Okay. Principle 10. I believe with complete belief that the creator, blessed be his name, knows all the actions of every human and all their thought. As it is said, he produces the hearts of them all and discerns all their doings. So what are we talking about here? Of course, we're talking about divine providence, right? Divine providence, Abuna as Rabbi Rush likes to say, that number one, everything is from Hashem, everything is for the very best, and everything has a message. So Rabbi Brody describes this principle as the GPS principle, right? God's personal supervision, right? God's personal supervision on each one of us, on each individual's life, and of course, on all of creation practically speaking you can apply this in many different ways right thank god we all got here um safely thank god we all have what to do um some of us might be going out for lunch some of us might be oh of course many of us are going to be doing shabbos shopping god willing um some of us might be going for birthday dinners sorry for birthday lunches happy birthday Ariane! so um in each one of our lives hashem is always guiding watching over protecting okay wonderful so we knew that. Okay. Also important to note, He doesn't just watch over us, but you know, obviously, we know that He created each one of us, so He manufactured. This is Rabbi Laser uh, Brody calls it manufacture. He 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 puts he uh, says that Hashem is our manufacturer, right? What does that mean? That um, He made each one of us with all the incredible qualities that we have, and also on all the qualities that we might need to work on and to never ever concentrate on that quality that we kind of can't shake off. Of course we work on it, but sometimes it takes a little bit longer and to not get discouraged and to absolutely not to give up, um, not to give up on yourself, you know, even if there's like, a, particu- like if a, a negative trait or a quality that you're not so proud of. So I, of course, thank God, I have an example on this because what's a class without a personal example? It actually ties really nicely with the month of Adar. It's so, it's so, it's so weird how that happens. Of course, it's from Hashem, um, and it's really wild because, as just a few minutes ago, before I started this class, I was, it just, it's amazing. I was talking to someone who was basically, you know, saying how thank God, Amuna, it's a process, right? It's a lifelong process. Um, and we gotta we gotta start loving the process, embracing the process. Anyway, okay, that was. But let's let's continue on. So, what is my example? Okay, so this past Sunday, um, I something started bothering, like something that normally I don't really pay attention to. Something just, you know, I I something was bothering me. Like I got upset about something. It was bothering me. I didn't like it. It it annoyed me. And, um, normally, you know, I shrug things. It was kind of, it was kind of silly. And normally stuff like that, like, I just don't even like let it enter my hemisphere, but okay. For some reason, it really, it got under my skin. And of course it's the month of Adar and we all have to fight Amalek. So that was what I needed to fight. My ego got the best of me and I was in a bad mood. So if I'm in a bad mood, those around me are going to feel my energy. Um, for whatever reason, my daughter, actually, I know the reason, whatever, teenager reason my daughter had my oldest um thank god um she was also not in a great mood so um i you know tried i was not in a good mood she was not in a good mood i wanted to fix the problem but i couldn't fix the problem at that point in time so whatever we you know she went to bed i uh, you know not in the best of moods and i couldn't sleep that night because i felt so guilty that i couldn't Um, just fix the problem, right? Like I wanted to just fix the problem. And when something's harping on my mind like that, um, it's very hard for me to let go. So I did not sleep a wink that night. Monday morning comes around. Thank God my 5.45 heat, but a dude alarm goes off and guess who did not sleep a wink? This girl, right? So at that point in time, I accepted the fact that I was not able to get up that morning. It was, I was not in my A game. I was completely off my game, but there is a big, but I made a choice. I accepted the fact that, you know what? I'm going to have to change my procedure for today. It's not going to be my normal daily routine, But I can, but under no circumstances am I going to touch my phone right now and make another poor choice that's going to lead to another poor choice that's going to lead to another poor choice that's going to take, that's going to take my bad, you know, half an hour in the morning into just a bad day, like a spiral out of control, right? Because anytime, I mean, the secret is anytime that we disconnect from our creator, that is the biggest form of self-sabotage right No one really talks about it, but I'm giving it to you now like if you want to if you want to ruin something for yourself you disconnect it's a great disconnect from your creator. God forbid. anyway, so I made the decision you know what I'm not even though I'm not doing Hipo do this second, I really want to, but it's not happening. Of course, I did it later on in the day but at that moment in time, I'm like the way I'm going to connect to my creator, I'm going to say shahari. fine so at six: thirty in the morning, I said shahari. And um, and I accepted where I was at, which was completely off my game, but I still worked, I, was, I went into Azamra mode. I sung with what I got, right? Rabbi Nachman says that, like when you're off your game, sing with what you've got. I sung with what I've got, and trust me, I was not in a good mood, but I had self-compassion on myself at that point in time, right? Um, I accepted where I was, I tried to do my best, Um, I changed procedure, and it actually saved me from a lot of the unconscious guilt and shame that I would have had had I not made a wise decision of accepting where I was at and working with what I had, right? So, like, that was a winning moment, and it's interesting because this past week, Rabbi Arush had a really, really nice video that essentially stated that the um, biggest... Sin man must atone for is not be believing in himself. Right? We're talking about self-esteem because that affects everything and everyone. Again, when you don't believe in yourself, then you get lazy with doing mitzvot, and of course, then then it leads to sin. And the very definition of sin, like it's not necessarily like oh, you did you you know didn't do one little thing. It's it, it's it's the it's the separation. It's the relationship. God forbid that you sever with your creator, which doesn't serve
1: anyone.
0: So, um, right. So that story is meant to basically, um, hopefully give a little bit chazuk that, you know, um, to believe in yourself, you know, to, to accept where you are at any moment in time and to, you know, instead of spiraling out of control to start making good choices, um, you know, even in those moments where you feel like you failed because, those moments where you think you failed are actually really winning moments because you essentially, it's like you you raise the baseline of your off game, right? So last year, maybe um, at some point in time, I wouldn't have said Shacharit right away. Um, I would have, you know, procrastinated, procrastinated, procrastinated um, in making that connection with Hashem when my day was off. And thank God, you know, this past Monday, um, you know, it was just, it was half an hour, before I got back into the game. And please don't think for a second that, oh, I was in the best mood ever. And like, I was jolly again and it was, you know, all great. No, it took some time. I spoke to a friend, I got khazuk from her. Then I spoke to another friend and I got more, more, more and from her. And it didn't necessarily have to be, you know, talking about, you know, Torah. It was just like, Hashem just sent me a messenger to basically lighten up my mood and thank God it did work. Okay, let's switch gears for a a second um, and explain where technology lies in the realm of divine providence, right? So one would think it would be easier to believe in Hashem's divine providence if they weren't spoiled with all the tech at their fingertips, right? So in our day and age, you want food? You press a button, you're gonna get, you know, a burger delivered to your house or to the office, whatever it is. You want a pair of shoes? Wonderful, Zappos will de- deliver it the next day. You want um, groceries? No problem. Amazon, Whole Foods, it, they could deliver it in like an hour or two. Okay, so how are we supposed to um, fit everything? If things are so accessible to us. Wouldn't we think that it's we're better off? living in the stone ages in order to believe in uh, divine providence, to have a Muna and Hashem, like because things aren't so accessible. Wait, so the Chafetz Chaim comes and says, Dafka, that the entire purpose of technology is to strengthen our belief in divine providence. He brings the example of the telescope and the microscope. Yes, once upon a time, those um, two pieces were high tech right once upon a time they were very high tech so what happens when a person looks into a telescope he's able to see, he's able to see like wow there is so, the world is so much more expansive than the naked eye can see similarly with the microscope you know when a person looks into the microscope he's able to see wow hashem created a world so much more intricate than the naked eye can see so clearly the In our day and age, in 2023, um, we are way more advanced than the microscope and the telescope. So the number one question everyone should be asking is, uh, why don't we have massive parades in uh, Manhattan, um, you know, praising Hashem, right? We have our uh, technology is so advanced. Um, You know, they have every other parade under the sun in Times Square, you know, or Manhattan. Why don't we have? Amuna parades. Um, So Hoshiah the Navi warned, quote, the ways of Hashem are just. The righteous walk in them, but the transgressors stumble on them. So it all depends on the eye. It all depends in the eye of the beholder, right? So a tzaddik that sees new technology and discoveries, he will only praise Hashem like, wow, if this is man-made tech, and this is what a person can accomplish this is nothing compared to what hashem can do right conversely when a russia sees new technology and discoveries of his arrogant heart will falsely lead him to believe that man could do anything who needs god God forbid. Right. So at the end of the day, each one of us has a choice which lens we choose to view the world. Right. The lens of divine providence or the lens of half And by the way, the default lens you continually choose is indicative of your relationship with your creator. And of course, with yourself. Right. With your self-esteem. It's all connected. Okay, so this is where we're going to end off here. So a quick recap of the three principles we learned today. Principle number eight, the unbroken chain of Torah. And we went pretty, you know, thoroughly in that. Uh, principle nine, the eternal Torah, right? The Torah will never, ever get out of style. Um, it's always, oh, it's internal wisdom is always relevant, Baruch Hashem. Principle 10, the, omnis- the omniscience and divine providence. Um A lot of discussion, right? And specifically pertaining to um, free will and how we choose to act, how we choose to view the world. Okay, again, these principles help guide us in how we shape our human experience in this world. The Torah is a blueprint for succeeding in our purpose. Rabbi Aryeh Leibowitz quotes the Rambam in his book Neshama. What is he, right? Okay, here we go. According to the Rambam, the pinnacle of all creation is the wise and good man. We are now able to better appreciate the statement. Who is wise? He who studies the Torah and understands its wisdom. Who is good? He who implements the Torah's wisdom into his life. When when one's life is dedicated to Torah study, midos, refinement, mitzvah performance, piety, prayer, and amunah, he is elevated above all other creations and is truly the pinnacle of creation. He is how man ought to be, wise and good. So bezrat Hashem, may each one of us be guided by Hashem's eternal Torah and mitzvot in making choices that elevate each one of us in order to always be guided by Hashem's personal supervision, which will, God willing, lead to the coming of Mashiach B'shalom Vimhera Be'amenu Amen. Thank you.